Hello, and welcome to The Advantage Investor, a Raymond James Limited podcast, a podcast that provides perspective for Canadian investors who want to remain knowledgeable, informed, and focused on long-term success. We are recording this on December the 12th, 2022. I'm Chris Cooksey from the Raymond James Corporate Communication and Marketing Department. Today, I'm looking forward to chatting with my Memphis, Tennessee-based colleague, John Tuig. John is head of whole loan trading for Raymond James and Associates. And today, we'll be discussing things like U.S. mortgage trends, consumer loans, maybe interest rates rising and a recession in the future. So a lot to get to. Uh, good day, John. Thanks for allowing us to steal some of your time today. I hope you are you had a good weekend and welcome to the Advantage Investor. Thank you, Chris. Lots of holiday parties. Tis the season. Oh, tis uh, the I've season. done the school one, the work one, the neighborhood one. It's it's We're making the rounds. It's, uh, it's a fun time of year. But no snow for you folks. In, no uh, snow. No, plenty uh, of rain. It is, it is 50 and overcast here in Memphis, Tennessee okay. today. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I mean, compared to here anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's all relative, right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. So um, let's start uh, maybe right off from the top and a little bit about yourself and what the head of whole load trading for right. Raymond James and Associates actually is. Yeah, and the first thing that people always ask you, what, what do you mean by a whole loan? So we, we don't trade the bonds, the QCIPs. We're, we're talking about your mortgage. We're talking about your auto loan. We're talking about your credit card, the actual raw whole credit. It hasn't been structured. It hasn't been tranched. Uh, it, it lives on a balance sheet. It lives with your bank. It lives with your credit union, uh, wherever you got that loan. And so in, in, in our calling effort to our customers uh, through our institutional sales force and talking about their balance sheet, managing their balance sheet, but looking at those individual pools of assets, mortgages, autos, commercial real estate, credit cards, unsecured loans, student loans, uh, and and the trading of that. So the buying and selling of pools of those loans between institutions as they uh as they need liquidity or taking gains uh, mm. or losses as they kind of manage that balance sheet. So it, it's a little bit like buying a house where you have a buyer and a seller on each side and you have to kind of negotiate it. You have a contract in between them and um, and they're looking for liquidity and cash. It's it's the same thing as a, a mortgage-backed security. Just chop the S off. Just okay. mortgage-backed, right? Uh, and and it's, uh, it's a bit more simple in that regard because you're dealing with the raw credit. But yeah, that's a little bit about the whole desk. So, so is that uh, just popped into my head? So, yeah. uh, a, a bank has a has a book of mortgages, yeah. and they would want to sell those mortgage to another yep. party. And, yep. and why would they want to do that? And liquidity purposes mostly. I mean, you know, there's a secondary market uh, for for these assets. Now, maybe they want to sell it for gain on sale, uh, which is a whole lot easier to do in a falling interest rate environment. Right now, it's kind of tough sledding because of a of a rising rate environment, but right. um, it, it's the managing of the balance sheet in that, you know, you make a loan, uh, you sell a loan, you book a profit, uh, or uh, as you come to maybe interest rate risk, or you come to some regulatory risk and you have a reason for wanting to lay those loans off, uh, it can be any host of particular reasons to do so. Okay. But, okay. Uh, it's it's, it's a lot of the business. Right. Now, now you just mentioned, obviously, that uh, we are in a rising interest rate environment. And, <laughs> yes, we um, are. <laughs> um, we've seen it here in Canada, and I assume the same in the U.S. Rates have, yep. have been increasing, whether it's your mortgage or probably consumer loans. And right. um, I'm always very afraid to carry a balance on my personal credit card, so I don't yep. really know that, but maybe credit card debt uh, interest rates are going up. Um, so, um, you know, I think uh, the 30-year fixed is is a 20-year high right now. And mm-hmm. um, so maybe... Let's talk about those trends um, among consumer borrowers and lenders, sir. Well, I mean, the mortgage market here in the States, you know, started the year around three, three and a quarter kind of coupons. And now they're flirting with seven, six and a half, seven percent. So we've never had a market where interest rates have doubled 
in a year. Uh, okay. It's remarkable to think about what that does to the consumer, what it does to their you know debt service coverage, meaning the amount of dollars they have to pay to afford to live in the home. Canadian market, I think, is pretty similar in that to the U.S. market that rates have risen. Um, you know, the Canadian market's interesting when you look at housing in that y'all didn't quite get as harmed by the 2008 financial crisis because your property values hadn't quite run as much as the states. But in that period between now and the great financial crisis, Canadian values, home values have actually grown more uh, than U.S. home values. So we're both really, really high. When we get into that 7% interest rate, I mean, that's where people start to say, ooh, I can't afford that house anymore. Uh, that in theory will hurt home values here in the States. The the Case-Shiller index, S&P Case-Shiller index is kind of one of the ones we watch where property values are down. If you listen to you know names like Moody's Analytics, they're telling you if you're probably going to see a 10 to 15% decline in U.S. home values in 2023. They're still up year over year here in the States, but the trend here in the last couple of months is, is coming down. So rising rates, particularly when rates double, and we're talking about levels that we haven't seen since 2001, the turn of the century. Uh, so they're, they're certainly, it's sticker shock. They're certainly higher than uh, as many of us have ever seen before. First-time home buyers really struggling with affordability and all that kind of goes along with that. Right. Now, um, I think it's safe to say that heading into the pandemic, um, consumers uh, were here, and I assume in the U.S., since we mm-hmm. basically follow that trend, we're, we're pretty strong. Um, had pretty decent balance streets. Uh, streets. I think you can tie that back to yep. probably yep. 2008 and all that stuff as everyone sort of started going through that. Um, people were, you know, were forced to save a little more because couldn't go to concerts, restaurants, or really do anything outside of your right, home. Right. Um, um, so given your vantage point, um, and, you know, you can see through the auto line demand and homeowner line of credits and that sort of thing. How is the U.S. consumer today? And where are your concerns lying in that regard? Because as we all know, the U.S. consumer drives the economy in, in a lot For of sure. ways. You know, it, it was interesting. You mentioned kind of when the pandemic happened and, and everybody kind of sheltered in place there for that. That way, if you can remember July of 2020, when we weren't sure how this was all going to go. And then, you know, the United States government comes in and, and kind of helicopter money comes down. Five trillion dollars is rained across the populace. And, um, you know, the, the vaccine comes and we all realize we're, we're going to get out of it. You're right. We stopped traveling. We stopped getting married. Uh, we stopped taking big vacations. We, we you know, we bought a lot of things, uh, but we, the, the day-to-day spending really dropped. So the savings rate was the highest it's been since uh, the stats I've seen about all the way back to World War II. Uh, what most economists right now are saying is that that consumer balance sheet is still good, but the the stimulus is done. It's gone, yeah. right? No more no more money coming out for the most part. And those savings are now starting to be spent. So you are starting to see the credit card balances go up. There's two different kinds of kind of credit card debt. There's healthy credit card debt that kind of spurs growth. And then there's unhealthy credit card debt where you're just kind of trying to keep up with the Joneses. Right. I, I fear that we're a little bit more to the latter than than the former and that inflation is causing us all to have to spend a little bit more for milk and bread and rent and energy and all the things. Uh, and so as those savings are slowly getting dwindled down, we're stretching again right. uh, a, a little bit in that regard. And I think it's early, uh, but uh, many forecasts have that kind of by mid next year, late next year, that that excess trillion dollars in spending that the U.S. consumer has will uh, will start to be kind of getting to the end of that, that particular road. So it, it is interesting to watch. Uh, they're in a good spot today. 
how much longer that good spot lasts, I think is a question on a lot of people's minds. Stay tuned to next episode. There you go. Right. right? (laughs) Absolutely. Call me in six months. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, Now in a rising rate environment, investors tend to avoid sitting in cash. There's you know, more, I guess, a, a, a bigger yield out there than what they sure. were getting in their savings accounts. But when it's obviously when it's rising. Um, so, you know, with rates soaring, um, what has that done to liquidity across the uh, lending markets? Yeah. Well, it, it was an interesting thing. It, deposits, uh, you know, the cost of funds for our customers, which are banks, right? Uh, it's not 25 basis points a minute, a quarter of a percent, right? It's 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 something higher. Uh, and, and you're starting to hear names like Marcus and some of these digital kind of, um, you know, lenders out there that are are offering three and even 4% savings accounts. Uh, that's one of the questions I've been asking a lot of our clients is, you know, are, are you late? Are you sleepy on on raising your rates to entice your customers? And And I would ask your listeners too, have you shopped around? The last time deposit rates were this high, this thing hadn't been invented, the iPhone. That's a while ago, eh? Right? So when you think about how easy it is to open an online account and and put $1,000 in it or whatever, and and you can catch 3% on your money, um, maybe that makes sense for you to shop around some. Now, to the bankers listening, to the CFOs and CEOs and treasurers of the world, that terrifies them, right? Because we right. are starting to see deposit outflows leave some of these institutions as they go to some of these digital banks or more web-based banks. And uh, you know, the chance to get nothing on your interest on your on your savings account or your check account is gone. There's meaningful returns that you can find. No, sure, I mean, we can argue about sitting on cash to your comment a moment ago, but have you shopped around? Uh, right. for deposit rates right now. And that that is impacting liquidity. We we are seeing in our space in the US banking system, particularly the smaller regional firms are starting to see their loan to share, loan to deposit ratios get close to 100%. So they are having to start looking at sweetening the pot and enticing those consumers to kind of to come take out some some deposits. Right. Yeah. Now, um, I'm willing to bet one of the more Google words in uh, 2022 <laughs> will be recession. Uh, what do I do during a recession? What happens? Sure. It's been a, I mean, we've had the, obviously a little one um, yep. with the COVID and then, right. and, and but it's been a while. And so a lot of people might not what it, uh, know what that is or what it feels like. Um, so with more and more, you know, whether it's prominent investors or Twitter voices or the uh, cable TV people, um, or even obviously professionals calling for a potential recession uh, next year or into 2024, um, any stress around that that you find worrisome at this point? I mean, you, you look at, so one of the biggest predictors of a recession is the inversion of the yield curve. Uh, the two-year treasury and the 10-year treasury are as inverted uh, as they've ever been. As I stare at the screens right now, they're at 79 basis points, meaning the two-year is at a 440 today. The the 10-year is at a 361. So that okay. that's never been wrong, right? That's right. always predicted that there'll be a recession. So we're talking about kind of a 1980s style recession if it comes. But I would tell you, most people in my market are are kind of dismissing it. They they okay. think we're going to hike rates and then the Fed's going to come in and, and lower rates next year. And, and we're going to have this soft landing, this magical soft landing that's going to come. But, you know, to your point in theory, unemployment will go up. Fewer people will have jobs, less spending, kind of like you said in your opening question. Uh, we'll have this kind of retrenchment. We'll see credit tighten. It'll be harder to get access to loans and money and spending. 
Uh, and, I mean, Powell has said he wants the unemployment rate not at 3.7 like it is today, somewhere around 5, 5.5%. That means there's going to be some people listening to this that in 6 to 12 months are, are not employed by their current employer. And, right. uh, and where and if and how can you find that next job? So to your point, we haven't been there in a, in a good hard recession in, in over a decade. Uh, and I, I hope to God we can find that that soft landing. Uh, but I, I don't know. There, we've we've ch- pulled so many levers. He's raised rates. He's done so many things. We're coming out of COVID. We have supply chain issues. I just don't see how he can possibly pull it off. He's got he's got a really yeah. tough job in front of him. Quiver's getting empty. Uh, he's, he's used every tool he's got. And yeah. uh, it'll be interesting to watch those next six to 12 months. Well, as you said, uh, soft landing would be magical. It is that time of year, so uh, m- maybe a little holiday magic will come through. Maybe so. We're all rooting for him, right? I yeah. mean, nobody wants to see the world break. But, nope. Uh, it's a he's he's fighting a hell of a battle. Now, um, the uh, last thing I'll ask you is sort of the uh, the big the big one. Uh, what keeps you up at night when it comes sure. to this sort of thing? I, that's it. I mean, we're kind of dancing around it. They, He's moved so much. When you when you raise rates like he has, something does go boom, right? And 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 what they call it a shock uh, for a reason. So what systematic shock is it? Is it, you know, certainly something like a war would be something out of out of hand, right? But if we have raised rates so much that something in the banking system goes to put, and and really most of our customers right now are are largely ignoring a recession, even though right. a lot of the signs and a lot of the the pundits are starting to call for it. We aren't behaving that way. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting to watch as uh, almost like blissful ignorance, right? right. That, uh, it's okay. The Fed will just throw another $5 trillion at us. Or it's okay. Powell will just, you know, ratchet down rates and he'll unwind everything that he's done. Um, Easy some peasy, point, color breezy. <laughs> right, yeah, at some point he can't come to our rescue and we have to take a little bit of pain. And sure. I'm not sure the world is ready to, to, to do that. And it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, again, back to my comment, they call it a shock for a reason. You, you don't see where it was coming from and it catches right. you off guard. Yep. Well, that's great, John. Uh, just uh, for the listeners out there, John and his team within the whole loan group publish a weekly commentary on Le- LinkedIn. It's called Let's Talk Loans. Um, so add John Tuig and, um, and, or, or follow him and subscribe to his weekly newsletter to get regular updates if you're interested in hearing more about uh, this lending environment in the United States. And John, this has been very informative. I found it fascinating. It's not something I knew much about or, or well, that's most episodes really, if I'm being honest, but uh, <laughs> well, this one particularly. And um, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts and allowing us to take your time today. Absolutely, Chris. Really enjoyed it. And uh, please do follow us on LinkedIn and, and hope you can enjoy even the, the daily banter that we put out there. This has been a great conversation. Really appreciate Excellent. It. And I hope you'll join us again in the new year as uh, as things evolve. Maybe six to nine months from now, we need to follow up and see if uh, it was what we thought it might be. Excellent. Well, you can also reach out to us at the Advantage Investor Pod at RaymondJames.ca. You can subscribe to the podcasts, uh, the Advantage Investor on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please contact your advisor with any questions. Always very important to talk to your advisors to see if these things are right for you. And on behalf of Raymond James and the Advantage Investor, thank you for taking the time to listen today. Until next time, stay well.
This podcast is for informational purposes only. Statistics and factual data and other information are from sources Raymond James Limited believes to be reliable, but their accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Information is furnished on the basis and understanding that Raymond James Limited is to be under no liability whatsoever in respect thereof. It is provided as a general source of information and should not be construed as an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any product and should not be considered tax advice. Raymond James advisors are not tax advisors and we recommend that clients seek independent advice from a professional advisor on tax related matters. Securities related products and services are offered through Raymond James Limited, member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Planning Limited, which is not a member of Canadian Investor Protection Fund.